you um, have your Bibles, um, open them to um, Psalm 23. We're going to look at uh, verses 4 through 4. Verses 4, 5, and 6 this morning. Here's the word of our God. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will feel no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I said, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please pray with me. Father, as we come to your word, we come bearing those words in mind that we just saw. And we are the needy, we are the broken. We are in need of, of you, in need of restoration, in need of answers, in need of encouragement, in need of rebuking some of us. We all need you. We all are needy. And so am I. And as I pray every week, I pray that the Spirit, Lord, will speak through me, that He would take Your Word and apply it to all of our hearts, to all of our lives, to all of our circumstances, that Your light shine there wherever we are. And so, Father, glorify Yourself for doing this time. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In His first inaugural speech to the United States of America, Franklin D. Roosevelt spoke openly to the American people about the Great Depression and its impact on our nation. As we all know, the Great Depression left our nation broken. It was dark days for majority of America. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor, black or white. You all, everyone suffered. Everyone was struggling. The nation's morale was down. Hope was fading. And so in this speech, he sought to encourage the American people. He sought to communicate hope. He tried to communicate restoration to a broken nation. And if you're familiar with that speech, if you know anything about history, you know that this is one of the greatest speeches in the history of our country. You know that one of the famous lines from that quote, from that speech is this. He says, this great nation will endure has endured. We will revive. We will prosper. First of all, let me assert my firm belief in this one thing. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Why is that? You see, fear is like a virus. Once it gets hold of you, it, it, it clouds your judgment. It can take over your life. It can consume you. Your thoughts, your emotions, your action. It can so consume you that your whole perspective on life begins to change. It's a paralyzing place to be if you've ever been trapped by fear, consumed by it. I've been there. Been there the past two weeks. What about you? You see, fear 
as one Christian says, is, is an inescapable feature of this life. You can't escape it. It's going to be there. I don't like that. I wish that was not the case, but it's a reality. You see, last week we, we looked at the first three verses of, of Psalm 23. You would have thought by me preaching that I wouldn't have dealt with fear last this, this week. I would have been, I'm good now. I'm free of that now. You know, I did. Even though I preached that Lord is my shepherd, I prayed upon this passage and, and, and I was meditating on it. I still fell into fear last week about something that was outside my control. You know, Psalm 23 is a sum of confidence. And it's filled with so many word pictures, as we saw last week. You know, you can actually visualize what David is saying here. The Lord is my shepherd. And who's shepherding me through life, governing me through life. He makes us lie down in green pastures, leading us to still waters of rest, restoring our broken soul, and, and guiding us in paths of righteousness. You can visualize that that our shepherd is at work. But this morning, we want to look at another picture that David paints for us. It's a picture of a sheep who can walk in fearlessness in life because of his shepherd. That I don't have to live in fear. Not because of anything that's in me, but it's because of who my shepherd is. And that's what we're going to look at with these three verses here. David said, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall feel no evil. Confident statement. Can we, can, can I honest, can, I don't know if I can honestly make, say that and truly believe it every day. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's confidence. That's boldness. The valley of shadow of death, what is it? It's David telling us, he is experiencing life in the valley of deep darkness. Hardship, some trial, some suffering he was going through. And he walked through it. He didn't lay down in, in the valley. He didn't run away from the valley. He didn't deny the valley. He didn't try to hide in the valley. Instead, he engaged it. And he walked through it. Without fear. Without fear. Wow. Walking through hardship and suffering without any fear of evil. Is that possible? Is David really being truthful here? Can that be a reality for us? To walk through the hardships of life without fear? I think so. I think it can be. It is possible. Last year, you know, God blessed our church. Blessed our church richly. He gave us many green pastures to feast upon. It was an awesome year of morning service, an awesome year of worship and outreach through this church, through this ministries that we have here. God blessed. And, you know, for the past two weeks, I've been walking around as if God has cursed me. Cursing my blessings. That's, how, that's what I've been doing. Forgetting all that he has done in spite of me. All that he did before I even got here. And I'm living in fear as if I'm alone. Everything's going to fall apart because I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. 
that's not a good place to be. And, I, and as I said, by Tuesday, I had already forgot what I told you guys on Sunday. <laughs> my my key to nose. <laughs> I already forgot it. You know why? It, fear of man. That's, been, that's what I've been dealing with the past two weeks. Fear of man's rejection. Fear of man's disapproval. Fear of failure. Even fear of success. Fear of preaching bad sermons. Fear of not having all the answers. Fear that people are going to actually figure out that I am a weak man. And so I try to do all I can do to, to, to pretend like I'm somebody strong, I'm capable, I have all the answers. And I don't. That's what I've been dealing with. Not wanting to be weak. Even called Richard asking for prayer for me, and I told him I didn't want to call him because I didn't want him to think I was weak. What, kind of, what is that? What is that? Me wanting other people's approval. Wanting them to be my Jesus. Which can't happen. One author says, you will fear those who are the gatekeepers of the fulfillment of your needs. Think about that. You will fear anybody that you consider a gatekeeper or what you think you need. What they think they can take away from you. You see, I have... That's what I've been doing. I've given the control of my life to other people. And they don't even know it. It's the thing. Giving them authority over who I am. And they don't even know they have it. But I've given it to them. This is the valley that I've been in. And it's not a good place to be. When it comes to your fears, whatever it may be, what is yours? Whether it's fear of man Fear of death, fear of, of being unloved, alone, fear of suffering great loss, fear of not ever coming out of a difficult situation. You know, what do you do with it? What do you do with those fears? See, remember David says he, he walked through this valley of death, and we must do the same. Don't run away from your fears. Don't hide from your fears. Don't deny your fears. Don't lay down in the bed with your fears and self-pity. You know, listen to them. Listen to your fears. They speaking. They are speaking. They are speaking. And according to Edward Welch, when, when these fears speak, they say things like this. Life is dangerous. You're not safe. You got to take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Life is dangerous. Watch out. They don't have your best interest in mind. Protect yourself, Alex. I'm needy. I'm broken. So you have to embrace and engage your fears on that level. On that level. What is it telling you about yourself? Listening to what they're saying or truly saying to you so you can walk through that. And when you walk through that, when you walk through that, this is what you'll see. When you walk through your fears, this is what you'll see. You will see, see that fears link with danger. This is, what, what, this is what one Christian author says. Fear links with danger. Danger links with God. And being vulnerable. Being out of control and needy. Need then links to other experiences. When we need money, we are saying that money is especially valuable to us. 
And anything especially valuable to us is something we love. Your fear has to do with what you love. That's what he's saying. What does your fears tell you about the things that you love? It says much about it. I fear man because I love man's approval. That's why I fear man. I want people to like me. That's why I fear them. I love the praise. I want them to praise me. I want them to accept me. And when I don't think they're going to give it to me, I fear it. I fear man. What does your fear tell you about the things that you love? Things that you value in your life? Engage on that level. Engage on that level. And if you listen to them and walk through them, they'll show you. Just like God has shown me this week. And I know coming face to face with your fears is a hard thing to do, especially if it's, a, if it's great fears. It's not always easy to come face to face with that stuff. But at times, you know, they feel like you know, a tsunami at times. Fears do. Flooding your life. You're going to drown in them. And so you don't want to engage them. David still said, I fear no evil in the valley. How is that possible? To live a life not enslaved by fear. See, the reason why David was fearless in the, in the valley is because of what he says here. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me in the valley. Your rod, O Lord, your staff, O Lord, comfort me in the valley. In the flood of my fears, I'm not alone. My shepherd is even there. You see, the reason why David displays so much confidence here, so much boldness here, is because of his shepherd. You can't lose sight of that. It's because of who God is that I can be who I am. Because of his great love, I can love. Because of he's a good shepherd, I can live without fear. Because I'm not alone. In my valleys. I'm not alone. Even on the mountaintops of life. My shepherd is still there. You can never lose sight of that. Because once you do. You're going to be where I am was the past two weeks. Uncertainty. Fear. Not sleeping. Worrying. Not resting. When you lose sight. When you take your eyes off the shepherd. This is the bite bone. Of why David is so confident. Why he can say what he says in verses, verse 4. You see, he never looked at his life experiences apart from looking at his shepherd. That's what we have to learn to do. You can't look at your fears and whatever situations you're going through apart from looking at your God. You can't. You have to let God's word shine bright in your valleys. You have to. Even on the mountaintops, too. That's what keeps you humble when life is good. Letting his word shine bright there. Letting his word give you answers there. The tendency is for us to run when life gets hard. We got to learn not to run. We got to learn to rest. Let the gospel shine there. And whatever we're going through. Whatever we're going through. He trusted the Lord with his life. And you know what trust is? The same Christian author says it's personal allegiance. That's what trust is. David's allegiance and commitment to his God didn't change because his circumstances changed. 
It didn't change when their life got hard. Instead, it increased. That's what it should do. You you should cling more, trust more, believe more, rest more when you're in the valley. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamps against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Another bold statement by David. Why? Because his Lord is his salvation and his stronghold. That is why. The same is for you. The stronghold of your life is the Lord. Not you, not your money, not your circumstances, not your education. It's the Lord. Always going to be that. He will give you strength when everything around you encamps against you to harm you. He will give you the fearlessness that you need to stand up and be confident. Because you don't fight the battle alone. The Lord fights for you. I love superhero movies. And my favorite, one of my favorite superheroes is Superman. And as many of you know, how many of you know the source of Superman's power? Why, why can he do the things that he does? What makes him Superman? Do you know? Our yellow sun <laughs> makes, is the source of his power. Outside of himself, the yellow sun is the source of his power. And the source of our power is outside of ourselves. Our yellow sun is this. And if you never read it, we ain't ever going to be powerful. You're not ever going to be powerful. This, the gospel, Jesus, our relationship with Christ, that's our source. That's our yellow sun. And if you don't have it, then you need to get it. You need to grow in it. You need to meditate upon it. You need to start seeing this as your lifeline. Not just something you do for Bible study or Sunday school, but this is your lifeline. My lifeline. I know I say this every Sunday because every week we forget it. So I'm going to remind you every week. Spend time in God's word to know God. Not just to do Sunday school lessons or Bible study lessons. Your relationship with Christ is your number one priority. Because if you're healthy there, that's going to filter down to every other area of your life. That's the gospel. It begins there. For me as well. And for all of us. That is our yellow sun. And we got to let the gospel shine bright in our circumstances. We have to. So, his rod and his staff comforts us. You know, I said plenty last week about the one of the ways in which that happens is through God's word and his spirit. God's spirit lives in you. You realize that, don't you? The spirit of God lives in you. Whenever you say no to sins in your life, it's because of God's spirit. Whenever you do anything for the sake of the gospel, it's because of God's spirit in you, working in you, molding you. And so take encouragement to know that he who began a good work in you would carry that on to the completion to the day of Christ. You've got to know that. That God is before you, moving, working, even when you can't see it on your behalf changing and molding you into the image of Christ. And yet there's another way in which God comforts us. And this way, I think, is sometimes we neglect this way more than others. 
and it's through one another, the body. He comforts us through the body. And that's one of the ways in which we don't really like that one. Because it's easy to say, I'm just going to pray and read, but it's hard to let other people in to your fears, into your weaknesses, into your pain. Because why? We want people to think we have it all together. We don't want people to see that what the Bible says about us is true, that we're sinners and broken. We want to pretend, I'm not broken. I'm okay. I'm here to help other people. I don't need help. Yes, you do. Even by making that statement, you need help (laughs) because you're living in denial. So you do need help. That we have to be engage one another, bear one another's burdens in this church, let people in. You see, when um, most of you know the story of Jacob and Esau, how Jacob stole the birthright from Esau. And so for years, no, um, Jacob had to deal with that, or what he did to his brother. You know, Esau wanted to kill him. And so generate, years and years later, they eventually came face to face. And all the whole journey, the whole journey, Jacob was living in fear. Now, don't forget all that God had done for Jacob to get him to where he is. But yet, this one thing that he did to his brother, he held on to that. He was living in fear because he didn't know if Esau was going to kill him. And so he was making that journey, a long journey in fear. Now, when they came face to face, what happened? What happened? Esau forgave Jacob. And what did Jacob say to Esau? Seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. That's what we have to be to one another. Jesus to one another. Through our pain, our hardships, and our brokenness. And you have to let other people in. And so that means when you come to church, take off the mask. Stop pretending that everything's okay. Take it off. I want us to be a place where it's uncomfortable to be comfortable, where it's uncomfortable to wear your mask. I'll be honest about my stuff. I'm, I'm honest. I have men in my life that I share my junk with. And I try to be as honest as I can be from the pulpit because I'm not Superman. I'm a sinner. And if you place me on a pedestal, you're in sin. Don't do that to me. You set me up to fall. I'm broken and needy too. And just like you. And we have to let other people into that. And it goes, you have to be willing to, to, to jump into the dirtiness. You have to be willing to let people into your dirtiness. That's what we have to do. Come alongside one another in love. And if someone came to me and said, man, Alex, you got a messed up church, man. There's a lot of messy people at that church. And I say, you know what? You're right. And I'm messy. And if you come here, you're going to know that you're messy too. Because <laughs> we, we're, we're not a country club. We're a place of messy people in need of Jesus. And Jesus can use people like that. Because you know why? You won't come here thinking you're God sent. You'll come here with brokenness. And you can minister to other people who are broken when you know your brokenness. If you don't know your brokenness, then you're not going to be able to minister to people well. I learned it the hard way. But I'm glad I learned it. God had to break me 
in order for me to be able to minister to people. So you're, you're not alone. That's what I want us to get at this point in the valley. Other people are there with you. God comforts us through his word and spirit, and he comforts us through other people. And finally, you need to know that the valley of deep darkness don't last forever. That's the good news, too, that he does bring you out. Verse 5 and 6, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does David mean by this? He's saying that he has peace in the valley. He has peace in the valley. Now, it doesn't mean life is hard. You can have peace even through hardship. Do you realize that? And that comes from the fact that you're trusting in the Lord. And if you're not trusting him, you're not going to have peace. It's all connected. And so whatever you're going through, whatever situations you're going to have even this year, you can have peace through those because they're going to come. You realize that. They're going to come. Hardships are going to come. Fears are going to come. That's just part of life. But the consistent thing we have to always go back to, that God never changes, ever changes like our circumstances. He can remain the same to you. And you've got to cling to that for, for, the, for, for all day long. Always remembering, preaching that to yourself. Your present fears and future fears will never separate you from your God. Never. I don't care what you are feeling. He's there. And that's why you got to bring other people in to remind you of that. Because sometimes I don't see it. Mark had to remind me of that the other week, the other day. He had to remind me. God is at work in your life, in this church. It does get hard to see it. That's why we need one another. You see, there's an old spiritual called, how does it feel since you come out of the wilderness? The song says, I feel, I, I feel like shouting when I came out of the wilderness. I felt like clapping when I came out of the wilderness. And I told everybody when I came out of the wilderness. And this is what you would do when God brings you through. You're going to shout, you're going to clap, and you're going to testify to God's power. Because he brought you out once again. Once again, he saw you through. And once you come out of the valley, once God delivers you from, from your fears, what, what else happens to you? Your faith is stronger. Right? You're more confident and more content. Yes. And you can say, surely, 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 goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I was... In high school, football was my God. It was one thing I did, and I did it well. It was one thing that helped me not to focus on my life problems, my broken home. Football was it. Football was going to get me out of where I was. It was going to take me to places I was never going to get otherwise. And so I lived and breathed football. It was it. It was it. And, and every, every high school football player's dream is to play college football. That's, that was my dream. 
Yes, everything I did, all the football camps, all the summer workouts was for that purpose. That was my dream. My senior year, <sighs> recruiter from the Citadel came to my high school and told me, Alex, we're going to offer you. If you make the SAT score, we're going to offer you the full scholarship. I took that test, I don't know how many times, and I could not make it. I mean, I took it over and over and over, and I could not make that score. And I didn't get my scholarship. And it hurt, because my dream was not going to come true. And so I applied to other colleges. I applied to this one college just because I had like a bunch of friends going. So well, I just go to that office and say, man, I'm not going to walk on either. My, my dream is over. But what happened when I got to that office is where I met the Lord. He took one dream away to gave me a better one. Because I probably would be a different person at the Citadel. And so when I look back over my life, I'm glad he took that away. Because when I, I tell you, my life changed. Because he called, he took me to that office state. And so that's what I'm saying. Your dreams for your life might not be the best thing for your life. God's plan is. And you got to know he's ahead of you. He's ahead of you, bringing you to where he wants you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you are ahead of us, that you are always ahead of us. We cannot thank you and we cannot do you, but you're God, and you're watching over us, sustaining us, moving us, and guiding us. And we can always trust in that, that our shepherd will shepherd us through the valleys of life when they come, and they're going to come. Lord, I thank you for Christ. Thank you for the gospel. I thank you for uh, reconciling us to yourself. In Jesus' name I pray.